0: Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowee.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Good morning, church. Let's do that again. You guys, it's a little cold outside, so. Some people Clark said his toes are numb. If you put on socks, that won't happen. It's a new, new thing. <laughs> oh. Sorry, Clark. <laughs> oh. You gotta have a little fun. Um man, super, super excited to be here this morning. So let's try it again. Good morning, church. <laughs> yeah, good morning. And good morning from uh, all of you watching online, all of you gathered uh here. Uh, in our new AC Worship Center uh, this morning, and we're grateful to be here. Super excited to jump into uh, a new uh, book of the Bible we've been uh, just uh, anticipating, uh, jumping into 1 Peter, and I want to encourage you this morning that there's hope for exiles, and we're going to see that as we walk uh, through this. Just an incredible letter with just such relevant application for the time we find ourselves uh, in, and we're going to be looking at the first two verses of chapter 1, uh, today. And so you can take your copy of God's Word and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want to give you this thought as we jump in that a follower of Christ's identity is not in where we are. It's not in uh, the, the circumstances that we may find ourselves in, but that our identity is in who we are and greater than that, who we are in Him. Because our identity rests in who we are in Christ And when our identity is in Christ, it shapes everything about the way we see the world. When our identity is in Christ, it shapes everything about our lives. And no matter where you are, so I don't know every circumstance and every situation that we find ourselves gathered in, but we're going to find encouragement in this letter. But but no matter where you are, I wanna encourage you to remember who you are. Now, this letter was written uh in AD 64-ish, maybe. There's there's people that say somewhere between 60 to 65. We we most people, most scholars land in around AD 63, 64, and there's this uh time that we see this writing in that uh, not a time likely when Nero would rule and 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 the craziness of this guy—we're going to hear a little bit about that as we walk through this along the way. We'll connect into some of that. But First Peter writes this letter to uh, these believers, and he writes them. And in chapter five, he he gives them kind of the reason for the writing. And we're going to read verse twelve of chapter five. But he says, "I've written to you briefly," and he shares why. And he says that he's exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. And then he says something. That I want you to hear this morning, and and, and he says this. He said, stand firm in it. Now, he's going to begin this letter, and and he's going to share who we are in Christ, and and then he ends this letter, and it's a letter that he says, I wrote to encourage and to strengthen and and, and to remind you that this is the grace of God, and and what you're walking through is not happening uh, by surprise, that, that God is sovereign in the midst of those things, that the circumstances of our life don't define who we are, but that who we are in him does, and he said, stand firm in that. Have courage In that. So, verse 1, chapter 1, we see these words Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, we can send messages pretty easy these days. We can, uh, in just a moment, send a text or we can send an email or we can communicate in uh, a real quick kind of way, but it was different uh, in those times. It was different in this moment. And so, uh, all of a sudden, there's a letter that arrives, right? Someone brings a letter, and they bring this letter. You open it up, the papyrus scroll comes open, and it's a letter from Peter. Now, this is exciting uh, in the midst of this, right? This uh, uh, the, the church would have been gathered together. Maybe the pastor gathers with these believers, and they read this letter. And the beginning of this letter is filled with the importance, as I shared earlier, of identity. And we see that in Peter. Peter says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, if I am thinking about what I know about Peter, I'm thinking when he penned that, he was pretty excited to write those words, right? Can you, can you think about how you describe yourself? And many of us may describe ourselves by our work. We may describe ourselves by uh, a student may describe themselves by, uh, maybe they're a, a volleyball player or a soccer player or a, a football player or whatever those kind of things are. They might say, you know, I'm an artist. Somebody might say, you know what, I'm a banker, I'm a businessman, I do all those kind of things. But Peter, uh, I can imagine the things that might have walked through his mind, right? He could have started out and said, I'm Peter, the failure, right? I'm Peter, the one who denied Jesus. There's so many things. But Peter starts out and he says, listen, uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, we can relate to Peter. Paul sometimes is a little harder uh, for us to connect in with. Paul said, you know, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Paul's brilliant in so many ways, but I like to think about Peter, and I like the way he's described uh, in the book of Acts where they say that that he's just this unlearned and ignorant fisherman, right? He's talking about, and we see this kind of picture of him. That was kind of how he was referred to, and obviously he had been with Jesus, and to see the words that uh, that are sent, that's not a a great way to describe him, but there's something beautiful about that description. You know, Peter would proclaim the gospel with boldness. He, we talked as we kind of introed a little bit of this about his denial of Christ, but he proclaimed the gospel with boldness uh, in, in the book of Acts. We just see incredible pictures of just his his uh, passion for sharing the gospel, and he would make statements like, "Whether it be right in the sight of God for us to hearken unto you." Rather than him, you be the judge. But he said things like, "You know what? We just can't help." You know, they tried to silence him. You Remember when there was the healing of the uh, of, of the lame uh, beggar, and he uh, says, "You know, we uh, he says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk." So we see uh, just God heal uh, this beggar, and then we see just this big commotion come to pass, and and it gives Peter an op- uh, opportunity to proclaim the gospel, and uh, they they put him uh, in. They kind of they seize them and and uh, take them, and they're, they're trying to threaten them like, hey, you know what, you need to stop proclaiming the word of Jesus. You need to stop uh, sharing the good news of the gospel. And Peter says, you know what, we can't help but speak those things that we've seen and heard. And those people that are around describe him in this way. And I love the way they describe in Acts 4.13. It said they observed the confidence, the boldness, right, that came from the Spirit of God uh, just in Peter. And he says they observed the confidence of Peter and John. And they understood that they were uneducated and untrained men said that they were amazed and they couldn't help but recognize that they had been with Jesus. Isn't that the way that we should desire to be described, right? That in our own strength and what we bring to the table is not much. But And wouldn't it be great to be described by those people that are around you? They would just say, you know what, you can't help but see that they've been with Jesus. So Peter says, Hey, my identity is not in my failures, the things that are there. He says, My identity is in. Jesus Christ. He said, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And then he says to, and so we're going to see who this letter is written to. And he says, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So he says this, he's writing this to aliens. These, some of your uh, translations may say strangers or exiles. And this picture gives us a, a, a an indication of people that are residing in a temporary residence that's not their home. That, that they're in a temporary residence. Place that is not their home. This idea that he's writing to exiles, to strangers, to uh, aliens, and he's addressing the church. He's addressing the church in Pontus, in Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. These are provinces that occupy what uh, would be modern Turkey now. And so this is a big area. This is a fairly large area. Probably uh, if we were looking at maybe the state of North Carolina, it might be three times or even bigger than... Than that, uh, as far as the size of this area, and he's writing to a bunch of folks, and we think about the people that he's writing to. These people are hurting. These people are suffering. These people are, are people who are rejected and ridiculed simply for following Christ. It's it's become a time where uh, it, it's been evident that Christianity is not just some other sect of Judaism, and it's uh, being officially persecuted. We're uh, on. There's these uh, places that w- we're going to see that. These people are going through a bunch, but the reality is it's fixing to get worse. And Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes to them to encourage them, and he gives them good news and bad news, right? There's there's a lot of that in the Scripture, and he gives them good news and bad news in this passage. He says, first of all, you're aliens, you're uh, exiles, but then he says good news, and he says, but you're aliens and exiles who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the father he says, "Where you're at, he said, "You don't belong here, this place that you find yourself in, this place that you've scattered out to." He says, "You don't belong here, but he said, "You belong to him." This letter is addressed, and if you look in the, the Greek, it's, it's addressed to the, the chosen, the eklektos, And in the Greek, this term chosen uh, actually modifies this term alien. So it would be accurate for us to say that this is written. Uh, we could translate this and say this letter is written to chosen strangers or elect exiles. That, that Paul, uh, Peter has written this letter to encourage these elect exiles that have found themselves in, in a place that is far away from home, but they are God's chosen people. Now, these are both names that had been given to the Jews. These are both names uh, that had been given to them. At one point, the Jews were God-elect, but they had found themselves uh, driven out of, of their homeland, and they were exiled in foreign lands. And Peter gives this name to the church. He says that these elect exiles, that they're God's chosen people, but they're living in a land far from home. I want you to Soak that in for just a minute, that we're God's people, but we're living in a culture and in a land that's far from home. That's where we find ourselves as believers, as God's people, and these people, they stand out. These people stand out. When you think of that term alien or you think about uh, this exile, when you think about those kind of things, they stand out and they're different. They're different from the world that they're in. You know, I think about some of the things that kind of happen, and young people uh, will connect with this maybe a little bit more. But I think about early, I guess maybe last year, there was this little time where every time I would see someone under maybe 10 years old, that they would be flossing. Can anybody do that? Anybody? Yeah, it's totally out now, right? Like nobody flosses anymore, right? There's just none of that, right? That. Debi Ronaldo did a that was awesome, yeah. And so we did that, and then that kind of went out, and there were these other uh, dances that had come from this Fortnite game, and so you would you would just kind of see people, and you would you would be walking in a store somewhere, and it was like they were in another world, right? You just I, it's like are they having a seizure? Then then this TikTok thing got big, right? And and you'd be in Walmart, and all of a sudden, these kids would be in Walmart, and, and just like down at the end of an aisle, and they're just hanging out, and they've got their headphones in, and then it's like all of a sudden, maybe the music changed or something, and they're like, and they're doing all these moves, you know, and I'm some of y'all have seen this. Some of y'all have done those, right? So it don't make fun but, but I'm serious, and I'm looking at those things, and I'm thinking these people are beating like there's a different drum going. And, and everybody else is just kind of hanging out, and they're making all these moves, and there's this way that they stand out in the midst of that. Now, it's obviously they were tuned into something completely different than what else w- was going on. But I want to encourage you, and I want to remind you that for the life of a Jesus follower, it should look that much different from the things of this world, that we should stand out in such a way that it is obviously recognizable to all those that are around us that we do not belong here, that we are in the midst of a culture that looks one way, but that we are living our lives in a completely different way. Now, many times we see people try to figure out what does that look like to stand out, and I I can remember different uh, Pictures of that maybe that I thought of when I was growing up maybe it looked like hey if if you're a Jesus follower then I would see these certain people and they would dress a certain way uh, maybe uh, maybe they would all be uh, in a, in a similar kind of uh, of outfit maybe they said hey you know what and I don't want I'm not trying to beat up on any of those kind of things but but we would see people look completely different in the way that maybe uh, they dressed in the way that maybe uh, some of the the things um, I guess the 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 way that they engaged with certain types of music, like one thing's for sure, I mean, if you're a Jesus follower, then there were groups of people that would say, you know what, if you're a Jesus follower, then I don't want to hear any of this, right, because if, how do you play that thing so good, but it, you see, why? I don't, but, but we don't want to have any drums, and we don't want to have this, and there's a certain type of music that's associated with that. And if your music's different than that, then then you're not looking the same way. You're not doing all those kind of things. But I want to tell you something. that, that The life of a Jesus follower and the way that we should stand out has nothing to do with those kind of things. But we should see characteristics of a Jesus follower where they're filled with hope and holiness in the midst of a world that has gone crazy. Now, that doesn't mean you dress any way you want, and you dress risque, and you do all that. Holiness covers all that, okay? That's... That, that's what we're talking about, but but there's not all these certain things that somehow we take and say, you know what, we're going to be separate, and so we're going to dress this way, or we're going to do this, and then we take those kind of things, those convictions maybe that somebody else has, and then we want to make them a rule for everybody else, and if they don't do that, then they don't fit in, and they must not be Jesus followers. That's the way it can look sometimes, but as exiles in a foreign land, we should live our lives characterized by hope and holiness, looking completely different from this world. We should see it in the way that a Jesus follower responds to persecution and problems in their life, because we're all going to face those kind of things. It should be seen in the way that we respond to temptations and trials, that we respond to suffering and sickness, that we respond to any of these external factors that are coming, and we respond in Our our roots of our response is in our identity of who we are. See, knowing who we are changes everything, that we're exiles in this world, but that we are loved by the Father. We're loved by the Father, and we're hated by this world. Did you know that, really, if we're living the life of a Jesus follower, we can expect That we're not gonna fit. And there are gonna be things about our life that this world hates. And this is no surprise. Jesus didn't paint this picture of everything's gonna be rosy and easy for the life of a Jesus follower. It's not the picture that he painted. He uh, did not promise popularity, but he promised persecution. Jesus said in John 15 19, he said, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, he said, I chose you out of the world. And because of this, the world hates you. Matthew 24, verse 9, he says this, Then they will deliver you to tribulation, and they will kill you. That doesn't sound like my best life now, really, to me. I'm just saying. I'm just being honest. It doesn't sound like like, like if all I've got look, to look forward to is here, Man, I want to tell you something. Jesus' followers are living for a life that's still to come, right? We're not, we're not looking for our best life in this moment, but we're looking uh, in a life that's still to come. In in a time, he says, they will, they will deliver you into tribulation, and they will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. John 3, verse 19 and 20 said, This is judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Listen to that. It says everyone who does evil hates the light. But Jesus said that we are to be light, right? That the light of the world, right? You hear those kind of? things. And and he says, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. But the reality is that the world hates the truth of sin that is revealed by the light. See, light reveals. I can remember when I was growing up, when I was 16 years old, we bought a 67 Mustang. I still have it. Um, It needs a lot of work. But it's a treasure to me. I'd have had it for this long. and And the treasure about it was that my dad and I worked on this thing, so we bought it. And somebody had taken a a disc grinder, literally, and they had stripped it down. It was it was fast and it was it was fun. But they had ground this thing down, and I didn't even really realize it. But they had taken looked like a disc sander, a disc grinder, and they ground it down. And when we got it, it was primed, and so it looked pretty good. It was just dull and was there and. So we got it, and we began to work on it, and I began to learn a little bit about what it looked like to do body work, and body work's kind of tough work, right? And we would sand, and we would work, and I was ready to paint this thing. I'm like, you know, it's, it's like ready when we got it, and my mind and my dad would say, hey, it's not ready yet, and so we'd sand it, and he'd prime it, and we'd sand it, and he'd prime it, and we would get in there, and I was looking at this thing, and I'm like, this thing is awesome looking. This thing is ready, and my dad, I was not quite as confident in it but I guess I was so anxious and so we got to this place that I had maybe a special event something we were working toward and so we painted this car and and it was beautiful candy apple red loved and, and just man incredible but there was something that I noticed that when all of a sudden we pulled it out and that shiny paint was on it and the light from the sun it feels so good right now. yeah sorry um And the light from the sun began to reflect off of it. And you could see every little imperfection. You could see where people had ground and kind of chipped away on it. You could see all those kind of things, the flaws, the pieces that were there. And when God's people live truly as citizens of another country and we live our lives in a way that reflects the values of a kingdom that's not in this world, it's going to reflect those kind of things in the midst of the world. It's going to reveal those kind of things. But Peter writes to these exiles, and he says, stand firm. But I want to, I want to encourage you to do the same thing, but I want to give you kind of a, a warning that goes along with that because Jesus didn't promise that it would be easy to stand firm because when you stand firm, when you're willing to stand firm, you're going to stand out you're going to look different. You're going to be rejected, young people, when you just say, you know what, I'm going to live to a different standard. I'm I'm going to to live my life in a different way. I'm not going to do certain things. I'm not going to associate with certain things. I'm not going to do certain things. It's going to stand out in the midst of this world. A.W. Tozer said to be right with God has often meant to be in trouble with men. Love that thought. Maybe these People maybe they were tempted to blot out certain parts of the scripture. Maybe they were tempted to say, you know what, Uh, we live in a a, a different time maybe than it was just maybe thirty years back when some of this was going on. Maybe that maybe that was their mindset. Maybe they said, you know what, Um, we're, we're gonna. Maybe God wasn't that serious about just worshiping Him alone. Maybe we could worship the emperor and we could worship Him. Maybe. Maybe we should could worship the gods of this pluralistic society. Maybe we could do that and not really mean it. Maybe we could try to just keep our faith private. Maybe we could just live, you know, kind of under the radar. You know, we're living in a time like that where so many churches and so many uh, people say, you know what, we, we need to compromise what we stand on. We need to compromise the Word of God that maybe uh, God, you know, has changed. But I want you to know the Scripture says that, that we have a God that never changes, right? That He's mutable, right? That, that He changes not, right? We change and we, uh, our culture changes and all these things, but He never changes. Maybe they were tempted to keep their faith to themselves, but He writes to them and He encourages them and He starts out, with hope in who they are. He says you're chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Has it ever occurred to you? I was thinking about that this morning. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? And I love that thought, right? Has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to him all right you see the Trinity just all over this passage I, I love the way Adrian Rogers described the work of the Trinity he says, let me tell you what the Holy Trinity did he said God the Father thought it God the Spirit wrought it and God the Son bought it I, I love that thought I love those little rhymes but we're sanctified by the Spirit he says we're chosen according to the foreknowledge of the Father we're sanctified by the Spirit. Now, this word sanctified means to be uh, set aside, that we're set aside for a a holy purpose, that God the Father sent His Spirit into the world, and it's drawing and gathering uh, God's people. He's setting them aside for a holy purpose. We see the Holy Spirit convicts and uh, reveals sin, right? We, We are sanctified, the Scripture says, into obedience, set apart for God's special purpose in this world. So, He doesn't take us out of this world, but he leaves us as as exiles or as aliens in this world, as pilgrims that are passing through, and he places us in this world and says that we're to let our light shine in such a way that it glorifies God. But it's gonna it's gonna be a, a place that stands out amongst this sinful world, and the world's gonna hate the light. Not only is the world gonna hate the light, but they're gonna hate the mission. Did you know that the gospel is offensive to this world? Right when people hear the gospel, it's, it's like we don't want to be offensive in anything that we say. But the reality is that the gospel is offensive. The gospel comes and says, "You know what? You're not as righteous as you think." Right? Fact is, there's none of you righteous. You're you're a sinner that's in need of a savior. And there's nothing good in you. There's no way uh, that you could stand in the presence of God. And and we speak this out into a self-centered world, into a world uh, that that somehow has been convinced and and believes that their good can outweigh their bad and all these kind of things. But we, the gospel, says none of that's true, that you are broken and sinful and in need of a Savior. So they hate the mission, but the mission is the reason that God leaves us, that we might bring Him glory and that we might be on mission for the glory of His name, for His purposes. Now, we see in this passage, it says that these are scattered throughout this area that's there. So Peter says you're scattered, you're in a land far from home, and that you're there, you've been set apart, you're sanctified, you have a holy purpose that you're separate from this world, that you're scattered and sent. And can I remind you that God uses difficult times and persecution for the progress of the gospel? God uses difficult times and persecution for the progress of the gospel. In Acts 8.3, uh, we see we've seen uh, the martyrdom of Stephen. We see uh, in in this description in verse three of Acts chapter eight. It says, "But Saul began ravaging the church." Now we think about that word "ravaging." Uh, I, when I was I don't know maybe I don't know five years ago something like that maybe a little longer. Uh, we had a Siberian Husky, and it was interesting. This Siberian Husky uh, loved chicken. I didn't know that he loved chicken, but my neighbor, he had a senior project, and he had 20 chickens, and he built this really nice cage, and this cage was, I mean, it was it was a great place for chickens, he thought, and I get a phone call, and my dog had went down and, and had gotten in this cage of 20 chickens, and no longer did this young man have a senior project, because they were all gone, and this word ravaging the church. It's that kind of picture. It's like a wild animal going in and and, and tearing up and, and it was that kind of picture. My dog had gone in and ravaged that poor guy's chickens, right? And I felt so terrible for that. But scripture says that Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. Therefore Something beautiful happened, so he's ravaging the church. It's a terrible time for the church, you would think, and it says that, therefore, though, he said there was a result of that, and he said, therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the Word. So these people are persecuted. They're scattered, but the result is that the gospel progresses. Now, they're scattered throughout the Roman Empire. You fast forward 30 years, and you find yourself in these Christians or in a world that is opposed to the ways of Christ, they're opposed to the way itself, they're scattered by persecution. They've got a new circle of influence, and in the midst of this place that they're scattered to, their lips and their lives stand out as a citizen of a far country. And it's not easy, but God uses it for the progress of the gospel. We're scattered by persecution. Some of us are scattered by profession, right? There are people that maybe this Labor Day weekend we're reminded that God's not placed us just in the workplaces that we are there just simply for provision for our families, but that they might be places that the gospel could go forth? Surprise, somebody. At least it wasn't one of those songs that caused people to do those dances. It was good. Um but we're scattered by our profession, right, our work. It puts us in different places. And and we're not simply there just for provision for our family, but to point to Christ. There are some of you that may have had a recent job change, and some of that can be emotional as you think about, hey, I've been in this comfortable position for this long. and But God is, uh, desires to use you wherever you're at for the progress of the gospel. And, and our, our work is not our identity. Our identity is in Christ. And whatever we're doing, right, I remember in Colossians 3, we're doing it as if we're working for the Lord. It says that that knowing that it's from the Lord that you will receive the reward of inheritance. It is the Lord whom you serve. So when we work, our wages, not our reward. It's not those kind of things. There's a, an inheritance, and as we walk through First Peter, we're going to see that there's an inheritance, uh, man, an inheritance that's undefiled, that's reserved in heaven for followers of Jesus Christ, and it and it's a it's a beautiful picture. We're not home yet. We're not home. Yet Our citizenship is not in this world. Paul said in Philippians 3, he said, Our citizenship is in heaven, for we eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That we live in this country, but we're citizens of heaven. We're sanctified by the Spirit. We're scattered and sent. We're slaves to Christ. It says that we're to obey Jesus and we're on mission making and maturing believers that's the mission of Christ to make disciples to teach them to to baptize we're gonna have a baptism next week maybe that's your next step in following Christ let us know if that is we'd love to connect in that but our mission is to be making and maturing uh, believers at home and around the world right that's the mission of Christ and he finishes and says sprinkled with his blood. So sanctified by the Spirit, sprinkled with His blood. I want you to think about that for just a minute. When, it, when he says sprinkled with His blood. You know, I love the, the old song, Nothing but the Blood of Jesus, right? What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Romans 5 verse 9 says, much more than now being justified by his blood, we are saved from the wrath through him. See, the the offensive piece of the gospel is that we are sinners in need of a Savior, that if you're apart from Christ, if you've never been saved, that we are sinners, that we've broken the law of God, that we've neglected and rebelled against a holy God, that we've rejected him. We choose to live a life like we want. We've refused and rejected a loving Savior who has offered us redemption through his blood, and we stand before God. We stand before the law of God, right, guilty, we stand deserving the wrath of God and his justice. It says that there's no escape from the just punishment that is due. The penalty has to be paid. You know, people today, you hear a lot of people say, you know what, God is love. I read a post last week on social media where a person was saying, you know what, God's love, and there is no... Uh, hell, they were kind of sharing the, all these kind of uh, things that God would not punish people in that way. But I, I want you to understand that God's holiness and His justice requires atonement for sin, that His holiness and His justice requires that the penalty for sin be paid, but the glorious gospel is this, that Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for us, that Jesus Christ has paid the penalty in uh, our place. The love of God is not that he needs no atonement, that, but the love of God is that he provided it for him Self. First John 4:10 says that "In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. This picture of uh, this uh, sacrifice that uh, appeased the, the very wrath of uh, God and allowed reconciliation to Him. Jesus did that in my place. He did that. He took the penalty that I deserved. His life, a substitute and a sacrifice for sinful man. He has borne the judgment of my transgression, the the just penalty that I was due. If you look on up just a touch, in 1 Peter, verse 18 and 19, chapter 1, he says, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. This is the way that we are saved, the way that we can be made right with a holy God, that we receive eternal life, that we become acceptable by God. Is being sprinkled and covered by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus covers our transgression. He makes us guiltless before God that the righteousness of Christ is imputed to our account, credited to our account, and we become perfect and acceptable to him through the work of Christ on Cross. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And because of that finished work, we can have grace and peace. Grace and peace are ours in Christ. Peter says, May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. You know, it should encourage our hearts to know that if we are a child of God, if we've been saved and purchased by His blood, if we've repented of our sin and surrendered our life to Christ, that we are his, that our salvation has been bought and paid for by the blood of Christ. And no longer are we enemies with God. No longer are we in that state, but we have peace with God. Man, when we get a hold of that, when we get a hold of what was accomplished through the work of the cross and who we are In Christ, it causes us to serve him with gladness. It changes everything about our lives. And my hope is that we would be a people that this morning would say, you know what, I believe what Christ is. I believe what Christ says about me. I believe, like Peter said, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, that Our identity might not be in our workplace, in our abilities, in anything less than who we are in Christ, that our name might follow with chosen, saved, redeemed, purchased by the blood of the Lamb, that our identity in this world would be rooted in the work of Christ and that we would recognize that while we are not home yet, that God allows us to remain here on mission for the glory of his name, that it will not be easy, that we will stand out, but that in the midst of a a world that and is so, so against the things of the scripture, that we would stand firm in the grace that's in Christ, that we would make disciples. As Paul told Timothy, he said, stand firm in the grace that uh, is in Christ Jesus. He said, these things that you've heard and uh, seen from me in the presence of many witnesses. He said, take those things and teach them to other faithful men. He said, entrust them to faithful men who will teach others. Also, we as resident aliens right of this land are entrusted with the gospel that we might give our very lives, that we might pour our lives out to making disciples, to, to maturing disciples, into living, sent, on mission, scattered wherever we may be the glory of his name. I want to ask you just to just to take a moment and I want to pray for us. I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second, just in a reverent time of of reflection. And maybe you're here and you've been beaten up by the things of this world. Maybe you're in Christ. You've you've been saved by his grace. There's been a time in your life that you've turned from your sin and trusted in the finished work of the cross. You've been covered in the the blood of Christ, and but you find yourself in the midst of a world where and there's this, this pressure for our identity to come from somewhere else, for us to be pressured to uh, conform to the things of this world instead of being transformed uh, and living as citizens of a different kingdom. And maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I recognize this morning that my identity is not in the things of this world. It's not in uh, anything other than. Than Jesus. This morning, I I just pray that you'll leave here resting in the fact that while you don't fit here, you are loved by the Father. He has great purpose for your life to bring Him glory. All of a sudden, uh, it, it, our our happiness and the things that we experience in this life are not rooted in the success of a certain moment, but they are rooted uh, in bringing Him glory and in in living our lives obedient to Him. We are called. Uh, to be obedient, and we do that in great uh, just willingness because we understand the cost of our salvation. We understand the atonement that was made. In our voice. We understand what it costs for us to be redeemed, to be set free. May we live in that. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus. Maybe you've heard the gospel that you are separated from God because of your sin, that, that there's none of us, not even one that's righteous, Not uh, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that we've missed the mark, that there's nothing that we could do to be good enough to be in the presence of him. There's nothing that we could do to earn our salvation or be uh, able to go to heaven on our own. Uh, but the gospel is not about us doing, but about uh, what Jesus has already done. The Scripture says, "As many as received Him, He gave them the right to become sons and daughters of God, even to those that believe on His name." And our response to the good news of the gospel is simply uh, surrender and repentance. To say, "God, I, I receive You as Lord and Savior. I turn from my sin, and I surrender. My life is Yours. I recognize that I don't belong here. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you recognize." just your need of a Savior, and you turn and you trust him this morning. Scripture says that it's by faith, that it's by grace through faith that we are saved, not of our, not of our own works so that no one could boast. Maybe that's you. I want to invite you to turn and trust him. What, what's your next step this morning in following Jesus? Maybe you're a Christian, you've never been baptized. Whatever that is, we want to encourage you to take your next step, to, to let us know how we can come alongside of you. I want to pray for you uh, this morning, and and we're going to close, but Father, we thank you so much for allowing us just to gather in this way. Lord, we pray for every voice, God, whether it's through the internet, uh, whether it's those that are here in this parking lot, Father, that your spirit might speak to them. Lord, if there's any here that have never surrendered their lives to you, Lord, I pray, God, that your spirit would convict them uh, of their sin. God, that you would allow them to see uh, their need for you, Lord, and that God, that you might God draw them to repentance, Lord, that they might be changed even in these moments, Lord, that their response would be uh, surrender, Lord, that we would uh, God respond just by faith, believing in not any works that we could do, but Lord, in the finished work of the cross, and that we would receive you, Lord, as Lord and Savior of our lives, and that we might live. As citizens of the kingdom of heaven, while we're here in this world, Lord, I pray God for those that uh, God may be struggling just to just to walk in the midst of this crazy world. Maybe there's persecution in some ways that are uh, or that are coming, and, and what we face Lord, is so mild compared to so many, compared to what we would read of in these exiles in First Peter, Lord. But I pray God that you would give them strength to stand, Lord, that you would. Uh, give them, uh, Lord, an uh, uh, empowerment of your spirit, God, to stand firm, to stand in the grace that you have given us, Lord, and that we might live our lives on mission proclaiming the good news of the gospel in a foreign land, Lord, that so desperately needs to hear your voice. Lord, help us to be obedient. Help us to walk uh, in your way. Help us to stand firm and stand out. Exiles that are loved by the Father. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for this church, Lord, and we pray, God, uh, that you help us, God, as a as a people, Lord, to proclaim the good news of who you are. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.